Part Ten of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters twenty eight to thirty. Chapter twenty eight. How the moon changed, and how Ewan broke forth from the city of the saints. So when the evening was come, Ewan and Bartholomew accompanied together, and they went through the city darkling, for the moon was now in umbrage. And when they came to the abbey, where was the golden bell, they found a crowd gathered thereabout, and the gate very well guarded. And within the gate was Vincent with certain others, and there was a great lanthorn above. And when they came beneath the light of the lanthorn, Vincent saw them who they were, and he greeted them and brought them to the chapel. Now the manner of the chapel was this, and it was by repute as proper a chapel as any in that city, for it was thrice as long as wide, and the roof was of white stone, high embowered, and carven with spreading ribs. And the walls were of white stone also, but overlaid below with cedar wood, and the wood was ancient and empanelled with many rich devices. And upon the walls were canopies with carven tracery above, and stalls of dignity thereunder. And below the stalls were other stalls, and again other, so that there were of them three several rows on this side and on that, and they which sat therein were set over against each other, and beside every man in every stall there was a fair white candle burning, and with the light of those candles the whole place was lit and glorified. Yet there was a darkness also within it, for the cedar-work was well-nigh black with ancientry, also the floor was of marble, lozengy black and white, and in the candle-shine it glimmered sombrely. So they came within the chapel, and Vincent showed them where they should be seated, and Bartholomew he showed a seat among the lowest, but Ewan he set in a high stall beneath a canopy among those which were great ones in the abbey and in the city. And when he was come to his place, Ewan looked adown the chapel, and he saw how Vincent had bestowed himself, for he was set fast by the doorway on the one side of it, and on the other side was set the Lord Abbot in his state. Then when all men were in place, the doors were closed, both the outer and the inner, and the Lord Abbot gave command, and the golden bell began to ring. And at the sound of that bell, the hearts of all that heard it, were comforted exceedingly, and they folded their hands to rest, for that which they heard was as a sweetness poured out upon all things, whereby the wrongs of men were hidden, and their crying drowned. And Ewan also forgot in that instant all the ills that he had suffered in all his life. And of the morrow he dreamed without desire, for the fights wherein he had made forfeit, and the hopes which he had never achieved, he remembered them but with tenderness, as shames and perils of childhood, nothing great. And in likewise he thought carelessly on all that was to come, and he knew not how long he sat there musing, for the blood lulled idly in his pulse as the sea-water lulls before the turning of the tide. Then upon a sudden his eyes opened and he beheld a marvel, for over against him there came upon the air the semblance of a man's hand, and the hand was great and black, and habited in a manch of black, and it came slowly along the chapel, by no motion that might be perceived. 
and as it came the lights perished dead before it by stall and by stall and the lowest row were those which perished first and then those next above them and last of all the lights that were before the canopies and ywain knew not what had befallen him for he felt in his heart a lifting of heaviness and he looked about to see his fellows and when he saw them he was astonished for they started up stiffly and yet they moved not but they sat every one in his place with his eyes staring and his mouth misshapen and the hand went towards vincent and towards the lord abbot and their lights also perished and the bell clanked brokenly and fell to silence then came upon ywain both memory and understanding and joy leapt from within him fiercely as the tide leaps beneath the wind and he rose up and made to go forth and they that were near him clung about him and entreated him for they were in terror of darkness and he tossed them from him and came striding to the door and vincent cried out that all should stay him but ywain said let be your light is out and he smote him endlong and went on and left him lying and he came forth to the gate and burst it and the crowd stood without wondering and ywain saw them as a city of sluggards and slumberers dead before their time and he cried the moon is changed and he went through them as the wind will go through standing corn and by what way he knew not he came to what gate he recked not and he smote the porter with his own keys and went forth shouting into the darkness chapter twenty nine how ywain came into the lost lands of the south and of the three signs whereby that country might be known now ywain had in his going but one only intent and that was by reason of his lady's word that he should find her in the south so he ceased from his running and his shouting and he looked upon the stars and under the herdsman he found the south and made to go thitherward but he went not by the way of the high road for he supposed that vincent and his would raise hue and cry after him so he left the road and climbed forthright upon the foothills that were hard by the city and as he had supposed so he saw it come about upon the road beneath him for there issued suddenly out of the gateway both lanthorns and torches like a scattering of sparks out of a chimney and they which bore them ran hither and thither both up and down the road bawling and babbling in the worst manner for their voices were harsh to hear and out of all tune of bells and ywain sat above and beheld them unaware and all their fury was by reason only that one had forsaken their ordinance then he left them to their hunting and climbed further above the foothills and he went all night to the southward by starlight only and when the cold of dawn was past then the sun shone warmly upon him and a shepherd gave him milk and bread to break fast and he lay long thereafter in a hollow of the hills and about him was much blossom of wild flowers and upon the blossom came a million of bees some great and some small and every one of them droning busily upon his bagpipes and also below that place was a meadow of sheep with many lambs bleating and ywain had joy of those beasts and of their droning and their bleating for whether he slept or wakened 
the sound of them was in his ears and in his blood then at the dusk he set forth again and so he went nine nights and days for always he voyaged by night and slept by day because of espial but on the ninth night he came into the lands which enya named to him for she named them the lost lands of the south and when he was come therein he knew them by a sign and the sign whereby he knew them was the third of three for when he first came into those lands it was evening and not long past moonrise and notwithstanding that all day he had taken joy of the sun and of the noise of beasts and birds yet now he had no less joy of the coolness and the silence and he strode forward upon the shoulders of the hills going swiftly and strongly for the moon was now waxing fast and the light of her lightened the green spaces of the grass then as he went his eyes also were lightened and he saw the world anew for he perceived how that the beauty of it was no fading excellence but only by long time forgotten and belike remembered again and again forgotten many times according as men made clean their hearts or darkened them and he saw that land as a land of gods and not of men only and though he saw not the gods nor heard them yet he perceived plainly both their radiance and their breathing then in his joy he gave thanks to the moon as to the queen of heaven for he knew no longer what he did and immediately he saw before him an upland all hoar in moonlight for upon the sides of it there was a semblance as of mist rising yet was that semblance no mist for it moved swiftly without wind and ywain looked again and saw it as a company of maidens dancing together and their attire was all of cloudy silk and their feet were bright as with ten thousand dewdrops and their hair was whirled about them like wisps of smoke and it seemed to ywain that they danced so lightly as no thing living save music only for that will dance lightly without sound in the imagination of the heart and ywain knew not the dancers nor how they might be named but i suppose that they were of the hill maidens which were of old time called by the name of oreads and it is like enough that they which he saw were the same for their beauty also was of the earth but nowise transitory and ywain beheld their dancing gladly and kept no count of time for as he stood the moon passed over him and went southing and he marked her not but at the last they danced more quickly and with the sight of them his blood began to work and he endured it not long but he went running towards the upland and as he ran the maidens whirled them thrice in the air and so sank down and ywain saw them no more for the earth received them and the hill lay bare before him then he took his way southward and looked again upon the moon and the silver of her beam was faded and the sable of her shadows for she was well nigh drowned in dawn and when the day was risen he began to go more wearily for in those lands the sun was nearer and bore hard upon the wayfarers and within a fair mile he saw a wood before him and the wood was full of great ilex trees with laurels shining about the margent of it and he devised to go therein by reason of the shade and coolness but when he was come thither he clean forgot his weariness 
and he perceived that the wood was no lonely place but full of magic for when he looked he saw nothing stirring but when he looked not then always he perceived a stirring or a flitting or a vanishing on the one side or on the other and he walked no more freely but warily by reason of the eyes and ears that were about him yet he saw neither eyes nor ears to give him reason then at last he came again to open ground and he laid him down upon the edge of it within the shadow of the wood and he took his rest and thought to be there alone but within a while he returned into his restlessness for he heard a sighing as of a little wind that came quickly and went past him and so along the hillside upwards and in the passing of the wind he saw as it were three damsels running swiftly one after another and as they ran his eyes were dazed with the beauty of them and his wits stood still and the whole world moved about him and he got him to his feet and laid his hand upon his eyes and when he had covered his eyes then he remembered how he had seen those damsels plainly for they were tall and slender of form and clear brown of colour and they were arrayed all in green and gold like young boughs in sunlight also they ran smoothly as a full river will run towards a weir then he lifted his eyes and looked again and he saw them and saw them not for the place was still and no thing moved upon it but under the sun were three trees there before him and the trees were by seeming three laurels windy blown for they leaned a little forward one after another and their greenery went all one way as it were streaming up the hillside and ewan supposed that in the dazzle of his eyes he had seen the trees and taken them for damsels yet he looked long upon them as though perchance they were damsels indeed and trees by semblance only so he went forward pondering and this time also he knew not that it was a sign which he had seen then he began to leave the high hills and he came into a little downland with downs that tumbled diverse ways and it was a bare land but warm and rich and in the valleys were cots with corn about them and rivers going softly in deep meadows and as he went he saw before him a beechen grove with seven trees therein and the grove was lonely and clear of boskage and it seemed to ewan that he had sight of children playing between the trees so he came nearer going slow and craftily and he stood behind the endmost tree and looked through the grove for it was but little and that which he saw was passing strange to him for the children were there before him and the like of them he saw never in all his days naked they were and manlike to the middle in their flesh fat and in their countenance all merry babes but below they were of another fashion for their hams were wool-begrown and they were goat-kneed and goat-footed also their hair upon their heads was woolly and their ears were pointed and a prick like little horns and it was plain to see that they were kin to the beasts and all of them well understanded for one child held a squirrel between his hands and the squirrel feared not but kept his tail a-high and one sat piping to a company of small fowls which also sat and piped to him but there was yet another child fast by which vexed the piper with a barley straw and he ceased not for his brother's frowning 
but tickled him evilly amidst his ear. Then when Ewan saw those babes and their playing, his thoughts left him, and forgetfulness and joy came upon him very suddenly, and his heart was delivered of a great laughter, and that laughter went rolling forth from him, as smoke goes rolling from a fire of greenwood, and like smoke it was renewed continually, bursting thickly forth without end, and the children heard it and ceased from their playing, yet it brought no fear upon them, neither upon the beasts that were their fellows, for the squirrel chattered and the small fowls piped more loudly, and the children also wantoned in laughter, and rolled upon the ground together, and when they came upon their feet again, they spied Ewan, and cried out joyously upon him, and they ran against him with their heads, and blethered after the manner of kids. And when Ewan felt the butting of their heads, and the busyness of their hands about him, then there came before his eyes a haze of brightness, so that he saw the world as it were, golden and gleaming, and it seemed to him that he had returned into the morning of his youth. Then, with his much laughter, his strength went from him, and for content he sighed, and so laid him down upon the ground. And the children sat them beside him, and tumbled one with another, and as they sported and tumbled together, it bechanced that one of them struck Ewan with his foot, and Ewan started a little, for the kick was notable. And he perceived right well the reason, for he saw again the child's foot, how it was small and hard like the hoof of a goat, and instantly his thought quickened that before had been sleeping, and he knew the land whereto he had come, for this was the third sign, and sign past doubting, howbeit the first two were also signs and plain enough. But what he perceived not by oreads and by dryads, that he learned easily by fawns, for of those he had but vision of the eyes, but with these there came also kicking of the flesh. CHAPTER Thirty: HOW Ewan HAD FELLOWSHIP WITH THE FAWNS So Ewan lay there upon the earth, and his laughter ebbed from him, and he set him to gather his wits together, as a huntsman gathers his hounds that have been chasing over wide. And in part he gathered them, but not all, for it seemed that some part of him was beyond calling, and would not return. But of that he left thinking, and was content, and his heart was emptied of all thoughts save three only, for he had great desire of eating, and of fellowship, and of dancing. And the sun filled him with strength, and the air quivered before his eyes, and he leapt up upon his feet. Then he looked down between the beechen bowls, and saw where other two fawns came swiftly up the hill, leaping towards him with great leaps, and they were no children, but goatmen grown, with little beards upon their faces. And he stood still to meet with them, for he knew not what their dealing might be. But they came joyously to him, and favoured him with their hands, and with their looks, and with their voices. And when they had greeted him, they began to lead him away into the valley, and Ewan went with them gladly and the children followed after, lagging and sporting one with another. And as they went, Ewan beheld the grown fawns curiously, and he saw how one was by seeming older and one younger, as it might be, two youths of eighteen year and twenty. Yet their faces were not two, but one, for they were made after one and the same pattern, 
and they differed in no wise save in the hair of their beards for of one the beard was soft and like the down within the rose-hips and of the other it was hard and like the beards of barley but in their lips and in their eyes was nothing diverse and ewan saw them as a man may see one only face in two several mirrors also their voices chanted together tunably like voices of young sheep in a flock and they showed ewan how they were called for they pointed each at other and so named their names and the older one was called panikos and the younger one was called paniskos then ewan spoke their names and laughed and he showed them his own name also and he laughed again for they used it strangely bleating somewhat in their speech then in the like manner they showed him other words and he learned of them easily for they spoke of no far matters but only of such as were according with his appetite and in especial they spoke of eating and of drinking and of music and also as he supposed of hunting and of sleeping and though ewan knew not yet what they would say concerning these things yet he knew certainly that they spoke thereof and he perceived their joy and had fellowship with them for he saw how they lived far off from carefulness and perplexity and how their life was mingled continually with the beauty of the earth End of part 10